What if we took away all the lights? Hand all the music. What if we took away all the people? What if we took away all the social media platforms? What would your foundation be? What would you stand on? Jesus said that the mysteries of the kingdom of God were given for us to know, but they were given to them in parables. Everything that we believe and everything that we stand on is found in the foundation of these parables. Through parables, Jesus taught about love. Through parables, Jesus taught about mercy. Through parables, Jesus taught about forgiveness and the reconciliation of the world. He used parables to fight the religious leadership of his day. That is the move of God for this day, for this age. We are changing religious perspective. It is time that we get back to the basics. It's time that we get back to the understanding of the kingdom. It's time that we go back to the feet of the cross. We take these parables and we dissect these and we understand who it is that we're supposed to be in the kingdom so that we can go out and we can bring other people in so that Jesus can love them, so that Jesus can reveal himself to them, so that God will be glorified. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another installment in the Unneeded and Truth Ministries podcast series. I'm Logan. I'm Amber. I'm Brandon. I'm Jason. And we are here to continue conversations about the parables. And today we're going to be talking about the wicked husbandman. But before we get into that, um, Amber, do you want to give the rundown about where they can reach out to us and how they can get a hold of us and that kind of stuff? You can get a hold of us on Facebook, on our messenger on Facebook. You can get a hold of us on our um Instagram or our webpage, indeed, in truthministries.org. Sorry, I don't. And they can go to the contact what's going tab. going on with my mind right now? Um, they can go to the contact tab and they can reach out to us. That's probably the most effective way to do it. Yep. Uh, we got podcasts on there. We got ebooks on there. Everything's free. The website's completely free. Everything that's on it's completely free. Uh, and that's pretty much it. You got anything you want to update about nursing home stuff, Jason? That Anything exciting happened this past week or? Yeah, actually, I had an old man that came down that uh, never been down there before. And he asked me how to be ready to meet God. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. It was. And we just we got to pray together. And I just I believe that he made uh, made that decision, that commitment. That's awesome. We had a lady who came down this past Sunday and it's been a while since she's been down, but she came down and she's like, well, I didn't think you guys were coming here anymore. And she's like, and to Patsy looks at her, goes, they've been here every single Sunday for the last two and a half years. She's like, what do you mean? You didn't think they were coming anymore. So for some reason, there were some people who didn't think we were coming, but we did. We lost another lady. Um, She's been on hospice for a while now, but she passed away Sunday morning. We found out when we got in there. I didn't really know her all that well, um, but she used to love to come down and sit with us and stuff like that. And then when she went on hospice, she stopped coming down and um, I'd go up and visit her a few times and stuff like that. But in most cases, I'd go up there. She'd be sleeping or, you know, she'd be wore out or whatever. And she didn't mind the visiting. Um I just, it was really hard because I'd go up there and I'd have like, Hey, you know, Liz, I got to go. And, and she'd be like, well, I'm going with you. Like, no, you're not going with me, you know, cause over there they they can get up and go if they want to. I mean, there's nobody stopping them. I mean, they're not, it's not like they can't leave. It's just, so she used to get kind of upset with me about that. Cause I'd never take her to the store with me, but 
Um, either way, but yeah, so I, she went ahead and she passed on and, um, to my knowledge, I believe she was saved. Um, I don't know. I had some conversations and things that I had with her. Um, I think she was kind of on the fence about some things, so I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I don't know where she really was at. Um, and it's not my place to make final calls for people. You know what I mean? So I hope that if there was anything left for her to get resolved, that she got it resolved before she went to the other side. So, and that's all we can really hope for, for people, especially when you're dealing with them in a nursing home, um, you know, because one day they'd be okay. And next day they could be, they could be mad at the world. And like one guy, uh, I had a lady come in was two weeks ago and she shut the door because this guy held some girl's hand. Uh, she was just being nice and was like holding his hand. And so this guy was all worked up, went and put his camo pants on and was rolling around in a wheelchair. He's going to crack his dude in the head. Some old man. All ma- and, th- and this other guy didn't even realize what was going on. He didn't realize because he doesn't have the mental capacity to. He had no clue. And so, yeah, they're like, they're like, you care if we shut this door so he don't come through here and you know, pick a fight with him or something. I was like, yeah, OK, so, man. They'd be getting it in a nursing home. I'm telling you, they get wild. There's, yeah, there. plus there's some wild stuff that goes on. Oh, there. you'd be surprised. Bro, it's, oh, it's, yeah. the, it's the ghetto in there, man. <laughs> it is. Uh, I was told to stay away from one hallway because you just never know what you might find when you walk down through the doors. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Like different halls are different oh, too. Yes. Like, and you know which ones <laughs> to avoid after a while. Yeah, I was told specifically by Patsy. She said, "If you go down there, don't take the kids." And I was like, why? And so she starts to to elaborate on a couple that likes to go down there and they just leave the door wide open. And I was like, are you serious? She goes, yeah. She said, we can't stop them. She said they're within their legal right and they have they have the ability for consent. You can't legally stop them. All you do is just shut the door or or you tell. Yeah, it's it's wild, man. I was like, are you serious? So don't get me wrong. Um, It's not for everybody, but God's faithful. And people show up and I haven't heard any stories like that since me and Amber started coming because two of those people were coming to our services and stuff like that. And then I heard these stories and I think I know exactly who it was that they were talking about. She just was trying to cover them a little bit and not expose them. But uh, yeah, so I don't I don't I haven't heard a story like that in at least a year. Quite a while, yeah. At least a year. So thankfully. Yeah, God's doing something there. Definitely. Uh, And the anointing hits the place. So. That having been said, we got to jump into this and uh, we're talking about the wicked husbandman and essentially it's got three different places in the Bible that this this parables talked about. And each time the parable, the story is told a little bit different as you look at them. Um, and so you got one in Matthew, you got one in Mark and you got one in Luke. What one do you guys personally like? I liked Luke, but what do you guys like? I liked Mark. You liked Mark? OK, what, what did you guys Brandon, Jason, what do you guys like? I like Luke, honestly. Oh, I, was, I did Matthew. Okay. Well, we can all read all three of, of them if that's what you guys want to do. I'm, I'm fine with it. I was just there a little bit longer. So, um, yeah. Okay. Then, Brandon, give us Matthew. Let's let's just jump in there. And then uh, you said you like Mark. Okay. You do Mark and then you can do Luke. How's that sound? So, 33. Here, another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Now, when vin- vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they may- might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. 
Then the last of all, he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruit the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone, which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is what the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Now, when the chief priests and the Pharisees in his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. Okay, Amber, go ahead and read us Mark. And he began to speak unto them by parables. A certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it and digged a place in the wine fat and built a tower and let it out to the husbandmen and went into a far country. And at that season, he sent to the husbandmen a servant that he might receive from the husbandmen of the fruit of the vineyard. And they caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. And again, he sent unto them again, a servant, another servant. And at him, they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. And again, he sent another and him they killed and many others beating some and killing some having yet Therefore, one son, his beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, they will, re- re- they will reverence my son. But those husbandmen said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him and killed him and cast him into the vineyard out of the vineyard. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyards do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen and will give the vineyard unto others. And have you not read this scripture? The stone, which the builder rejected is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay on t- lay hold on him and but feared the people for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them and they left him and went their way go ahead give it to us jason luke 29 then began he to speak to the people this parable a certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to husbandmen and went into a far country for a long time and at the season he sent a servant to the husbandmen that they should give him the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandmen beat him and sent him away empty. And again, he sent another servant and they beat him also and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. And again, he sent a third and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore, therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected 
the same is become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, and on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him into powder. And the, and the chief priests and the scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him, and they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. Okay, so definitely a lot to read. Um, most definitely a lot to read. Um, Brandon, what sticks out to you? What's significant that sticks out to you? Um, and correlate this to, you know, I mean, obviously there was something taking place in the moment, right? Because the chief priest, they recognized what Jesus was doing. And not only does, you know, not only was he prophesying, I believe to them about what he was about to do, but also he was letting them know this is your fault. And no, maybe not that this is your fault, but you know, the spiritual condition of the people and not being able to receive and ready to receive is because of you. Does that make sense? So I'll elaborate on that here in a little bit, but I want you to just kind of tell me what you're thinking. Um, and I want you to try to tie it to something related to the ministry today. Mm, see, I, I took it as a foreshadowing, <clears throat> obviously of the things to come, but also because of the crucifixion. Uh, when he spoke of the cornerstone and of the sun going in and being, um, you know, obviously murdered and everything. But I think it was also a testament to the Old Testament of how God sent prophets and uh, men of renown to proclaim the forthcoming of Jesus. And so he was listing out all these things and he was trying to address to them that uh, their understanding was incorrect. And so in return, that was what was infuriating them because th what they knew was the truth. And, and Jesus said that, that that's not what this is about. And so I think it was just a foretelling that he was going to destroy what they had created. And they obviously didn't like that. So that's pretty much what I would get from that. As far as for like, from a ministry point of view, um, I guess I didn't really, I've never really thought of it from a, a ministry point of view, but um, I suppose uh, you could. Mm, obviously, we have to be aware of, of uh, I guess, traditionalist or, or religion. So I guess we have to be careful in that sense to make sure that we're not being affected by those peoples that, that could be, you know, those Sadducees or Pharisees and, and hidden cloth or, or whatever. Um, and just remember that... <clears throat> Jesus's declaration of what the kingdom is, is what we live by and not something else. Okay. Amber, what stuck out to you that was significant out of all that? And how would you tie it to something related to the ministry today? I see pride. I see a lot of pride. I see the husbandmen being very prideful. They got that wine, that power that, um, it all went to their head. This is, this is me taking care of this. This is this, this is this. They, they had let it overpower them to the point that, and, and the way that I see it with ministry is, um, they that sometimes leadership when they put people in leadership or leadership positions, we, sometimes we, some people will take it and become prideful with it because then they have this power, they have this, um, 
this this ministry. It's theirs. They can do what they want with it. And then they begin to and not maybe not intentionally, but they begin to beat people. They begin to maybe kill them off spiritually, not meaning to because of regulation and this and this and this has to be this way or whatever. And they don't, in my opinion, they don't leave room for the Holy Spirit to move. They this has got to be this way. This has got to be this way. This got to be this way. And I, that's what I seen with the husbandmen is they weren't allowing any room for those servants to come in and to show them anything different or um, to collect what they were supposed to be in their collecting. Um, they were, they were being prideful. This is my territory. This is mine. And I'm going to take yours as well. And that's what I seen in it. And, and of course, sending the son um, in hopes that it would redeem that whole situation and in the same here in our lives um, that God sent his only son to redeem our situations that we would live rightfully. And unfortunately religious and power and all of that had put him on a cross and beat him because of their own pride and the way they see things. Um, Jason, what about you? What's something you see in this that's a, that stands out significantly to you and how do you attach it to ministry today? I think it's a warning. So he obviously was telling them of their own state and everything that took place. Like Brandon said, you know, you go back to the Old Testament and you see where all these people came in the name of the father. Now, let's let's also correlate the fact that these husbandmen that were there were chosen by the Lord to be there. So he picked them out, got them in that position for a purpose and a time. And the problem is, is that they were not steadfast to it, to what they were supposed to be doing. So they missed what God was trying to speak to them. So they would miss what the Lord was trying to teach them. And I think that that correlates to us today in so much that if we're not careful in our pride, or we're not careful in our own ignorance, then we will miss what God is speaking and the spirit is trying to move. Now, just because, just because it is the same Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We, that's solid, solid, solid and solidified. We know that. But the thing is, is that the way the spirit moves in us in the unction and the power, then the authority to go in the time and season that we're in, we have to be able to operate in that in this specific realm, or we're going to miss what God's trying to do. And I think it's the same warning that he's given us that he gave to them. Like, if you're not careful, your gifts and callings can be taken from you and given to another even though your gifts and callings are without repentance, but the place and position that you were supposed to meet people in the place and position you were supposed to witness to people will be taken from you and given to someone else. If you do not stay steadfast on the work that you're supposed to do. Amen. So I, I agree with you guys. Um, I agree, especially it definitely was a foreshadowing. It was, and, and it was a prophecy in a sense, wrapped up in a parable at the same time, but Jesus was telling them what they were doing to do. But he was also pointing out not just pride. Um, and I know that seems to be your go-to with a lot of these, but it was a condition of heart, which is what Brandon's been pointing out on a lot of this stuff. And so the condition of the heart of the husbandmen, I see pride in that. Yes, but they were lifted up and decided I'm not going to give back what was given to me. You know, so sometimes God gives us vision. God gives us direction 
And, and, you know, we'll spend all this time praying and fasting and seeking him and getting the unction of the Holy Ghost. And we will go after something. But after it's been established, God establishes something and he disappears for a season. So that way you can work and you and the Holy Spirit can work this thing out. And then when he comes back to obtain a harvest, you start to fight him and say, no, this is mine. No, this is mine. So it was definitely, I think, a foreshadowing of what was about to happen. But uh, in Acts uh, 1730, it said in the times of this ignorance, God had winked at. But now he commands that all men everywhere repent. So there may have been a time and a season in the um, in the faith or even in, you know, in, and I think that there's even that in ministry. I think that's that in personal growth. I think there's all kinds of aspects to this particular statement, but there's all kinds of areas of our life where God, I think, winks at it for a little while. But there comes a time where you will repent when you will cut it off or it's going to cost you severely. And you're like, well, what do you mean it's going to cost me? It could cost you your salvation. It could cost you relationships. It could cost you all kinds of things like what Amber's talking about, getting lifted up in pride, tearing people apart in ministry when you don't really mean to. And sometimes you just do it because you think nobody can stop you. And this is what God gave me, blah, 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 blah. The reality was that God abandoned you in the process about several months ago when you stopped listening to him in the first place. So that's why I asked, how do you guys bring us forward? Because remember, we talked about the parables and that these were the mysteries of the kingdom of God and that they were given to us to know. And so where did we get the apostles doctrine? Because they took things like this and they broke it down and they established the church on these truths. So that's why I said, how would you drag this over and how would you attach this to today? We know that in a couple of different senses, not only was this foreshadowing, he said, but the kingdom is going to be stripped from you. It's going to be taken from you. It's going to be given to another. It's going to be given to another nation. And so we now are all one in Christ. There's no Jew, no Greek. There's no Gentile. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, Jew, Jew, or sorry, Jew, Greek, Gentile. There's no male. There's no female. There's nothing. We're all one and one and in Christ. That's period. That's it. That's all. That's what's who we are. And so we are what is referred to, um, um, more popularly as the nation within a nation, right? Um, we are a nation that exists within the nations of the earth. And so he says, it'll be given to another. So now, based on what Matt or uh, what John, what was it? John 16, 13 told us when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you and lead you into all truth. So there is no longer this need for you to rely on a pastor. And I'm not saying you can't have relationship, but I'm saying is you can't rely on him for your salvation. You can't rely on him to get you through and to do everything for you because that was the condition of Israel. I am reliant upon, and that was the law. Okay. So I'm not saying they were wrong because that was the law. That's what they had to do. So they had a high priest. They had priests that worked within the office. They were supposed to give their offerings a specific way. They had to do things a specific way. And so Jesus was saying, Hey, because of your lack of, of ability to do any of this. Not only that, but let's be honest. We could go all the way back into Moses. And when Moses was wearing the veil and when the covenant was established in the first place, it was already failing. It was already going to fail and it was already fading away. What did Paul say? He said that even with the commandment, if it was thought to be glorious, how much more glorious does the sacrifice, and I'm paraphrasing, but how much more glorious is the sacrifice that Christ made so that now you could be forgiven? David prophesied it in Psalms and said, 
that blessed is the man whom the Lord will not remember iniquity. So the Holy Spirit is now responsible for that in our life. And if we're not careful, we take things like what's been established here. Like I said, God gives vision. God gives you resources. God gives you everything that you need to build and pioneer and to direct and to get in there. But almost every single time. And I'm sure that we could probably bring several pastors in here and set them all down. And if they were being honest, there's been times that, man, this is what I really think ought to happen. This is what I really think has got to be. And those moments of pride will come in there and will sweep them off their feet. And they're saying, well, that never happened to me. Well, then you're a liar because the Bible says that there's none who haven't. And you're not going to sit and tell me that after you got saved, don't get me wrong. There's some things that just fall off of us, but there's some things that you're going to have to work on. God doesn't just pull it all out and say, that's it. It's all done. If that was the case, then you wouldn't be working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't get me started. But anyways, so that's why I said the spiritual condition. And I think if we're not careful, we, because of hardness of heart, not, I mean, yes, it can be rooted in pride and stuff like that, but it's because of the hardness of heart. They refused to give what was rightfully, realistically, let's be honest, how many times in the ministry do we refuse to give God what is rightfully his? Because we want to be on a pedestal. Or even more so, how often are you missing when he's asking you to give it to you? Or give it to him. He's asking us all the time to do, but we have to be able to hear in order to to be able to right. to be obedient to it. Well, it reminds me of the the scripture that I had written down, and it's talking about casting down vain imaginations. Because a lot of times, um, we get vain imaginations twisted and think, "Oh, it's just what um, me thinking about myself or whatever." You know, I I had heard a pastor preach it, and I loved the way she taught about it. Pastor Regina, she had talked about. Um, she said, "Vain imaginations is when you start thinking." Oh, so-and-so is doing this. I know they're doing this, even though you have no proof that they are doing that. And, and, you know, and then that imagination begins to begins to manifest. And I think sometimes as pastors or in leadership roles, we have those moments of vain imaginations. Oh, I know they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. I know that they're doing, you know, and sometimes that's an unction from the Holy Spirit. Yes. But there's other times where it's like, you're just upset with the decisions that they've made and you don't want them to make those decisions. And then you use oh, Holy spirit told me this. And it's not really the Holy spirit. It's a vain imagination that you'd had. And so second Corinthians 10, five says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. So let's come back. Um, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. The stone which the builder rejected. You know, I have seen people and heard stories about people who build great churches, they build great ministries, but they reject Christ. They may have had him when they started, but somewhere along the way, they give up. And instead of him being the chief of the corner, they become the chief of the corner. And then the whole ministry will crumble because the man is never intended to hold it on his shoulders in the first place. 
So that's why I asked, how do we bring this forward? Because there are people out there and there's ministries out there and there's pastors and there's preachers and evangelists and prophets and apostles. And they are trying to lift up a ministry on their own shoulders because they lack relationship with Christ. Well, I, I got a heavenly vision. Okay. Well, maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. The Bible says that I'll know you by your fruit. I don't care how many heavenly vision. Look, let's be real. The Bible also tells us that God, who he chastens often, those are who he loves. You know, I have supernatural encounters with God several times a week in ways that when I share with people, they're like, well, I ain't never had nothing like that happen. You know, and, and it's like, I don't know why God does that. That's just how it is with me. I don't have an answer for you, but my point is, is like, I have that kind of stuff happen and every single time it's never anything good. It is another thing that I got to work on. It is another thing that's got to come out of my life. It is another thing that I've just let set and grow and fester. And I'm, it's never, Oh, Logan, you're going to get to go and do this. And you're going to preach to millions and you're going to sing for everybody. And you're going to no. it's more like I'm sitting in a schoolhouse and I have this massive serpent that keeps floating around and flying. And I'm like, God, what is that thing? And there's a specific smell. And I won't say what it is just for the purpose of the podcast, but there was a specific smell that was on it. And I noticed the smell and I remember saying something. I said, God, what is this? And he said, he said, you be he, essentially, uh, you know, you are what you feed yourself. And what it was, was the snake was representative of something and it was getting larger because I wasn't dealing with it. And I just kept feeding it and kept feeding it and kept feeding it and kept feeding it. And a snake will consume anything that it can fit in its mouth. So anyways, we won't get too much further into that. But the reality is, is these supernatural encounters that we say we're having, they probably are a bunch of bupkis and ain't nobody really having them in the first place because correction is what comes from God. When, when you were about to say the Lord, he corrects those he loves. So I just, yeah, yeah. that's what I just said. That's what I'm saying. So you just, there is these supernatural encounters, you know, how many times there was supernatural encounters that took place with great men and women throughout the Bible. Very rarely will you ever find them all on good terms when they took place. It was usually in a place where they were weak. It was in a place where they were broken. It was in a place where they were dealing with something where they shouldn't have been there. It was in a place of doubt. It was in a place of unbelief. It was, that's where you're going to find God dealing with people. You're not going to always find God dealing with, and I'm not saying that God's not there on your high horse because he is. But sometimes the condition of our heart, God built this great ministry and he used me as the vessel to do it. But then all of a sudden, now I think that I don't need him to do it. So I kicked Jesus out of the cornerstone. I became the cornerstone. The church is crumbling on top of me and God abandoned me several months ago because he's not going to be a part of something that doesn't glorify him. The Bible says he is an all consuming fire and he's a jealous God. And quite frankly, I believe it when it says he's jealous. (laughs) It reminds me of the story of uh, the man that got knocked off his donkey Cause sometimes you got to get knocked off your donkey just to hear what God's saying to you. Balaam. So, sorry, go ahead. Balaam. Okay. It's Balaam's donkey. Yeah. So let's be people that don't do that. You know, when we talk about how are we going to bring this over? That's how we bring this over. Let's not let God provide everything that we need or even build it and put us in charge of it and say, here you go. I want you to take care of this. I want you to do this. And then start thinking we can do it outside of the Holy ghost. We also need to be careful to be wise stewards of what he's given us, because if he has given you a vision to build a ministry, if you're not delicate with that vision and and doing it precisely as God's calling you to, now you're adding your own junk into it, first off. 
And then secondly, it's you're taking it on your own power. And, you know, and I just recently read something, you know, and here's here's the other thing. I do believe that God is not afraid of process. You are a vessel made out of dirt. And when you throw a little bit of dirt on it, you can make clay out of it. So we are essentially clay. And so when something comes to us, this was Pastor Dosick, something he said, when something comes to us from God, it passes through clay and it's going to have our mess attached to it when it finally comes out. He said, don't get discouraged because for whatever reason, this is just how God decided he wanted to do it. I don't understand why, because, you know, we get ourselves and we're beating ourselves like, God, I missed it. God, I missed it. God, I missed it. He knew you'd miss it. He was fully aware you'd miss it. But what happens is instead of coming back and repenting or coming back and saying, God, I need your help. I messed this up. I didn't do this right. We are like, oh, well, God just, you know, he must have just never been there in the first place. Or or if we have a major success, we're like, well, you know, I did it this way because I really feel like God wanted me to go over here and talk to this little old lady, you know, who was, you know, you know, God had her sitting there with a four million dollar check for the church and was just waiting on the pastor to come talk to her because the Lord said, hey, I want you to wait until he comes and says something to you. And then he's like, oh, man, I'm going to come over here and talk to this guy. And he gave you like a half a million dollar. And you're thinking you really made the victory and won because you went over and did your thing when God had your provision sitting right there for you. Oh, God, well, I've got a $4.5 million need for the ministry. Well, guess what? You only got 0.5 of it because you did it on your own. He had the rest of it sitting there for you. You know? And so, that's it, too. I think a lot of times we get impatient and we don't want to remain teachable. We want to do things our way instead of just saying, God, you know what? Teach me. Teach me how to do it. Show me what you want me to do instead of saying, you know, oh, I'm going to do this this way, this way, this way, this way, this way and have it all planned out because God's going to come in. He's going to wreck your plans. And he said, we're going to do it this way. And that's what he does every single time. So that is uh, and I, I tell my girls this all the time. I don't make plans. And that is why I don't make plans, because if I make a plan and I have it listed out how I'm going to do things. God will change every single thing that I have because he wants me to remain moldable. He wants you to remain in a position where he can move you how he needs to move you. Brandon, do you have anything to add to our conversation? You've been awfully quiet. Yeah. I mean, definitely be teachable, but, um, you know, I think Jesus said it best. Oftentimes he said, not my will, but your will be done. I think if you have a heart for God, that there is no other way, that this is the only way. And sometimes it's difficult even within our humanity to understand that because we don't. We go based off of what we see and what we feel. And sometimes it's, well, this is all I've got instead of sitting down and and consuming everything that God has. We decide to take the easy route and uh, proclaim self over God. So I think it's just there is moments and situations that we definitely need to step back and say, okay, God, what is it? What are you showing me? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to? Do I need to spend more time in prayer, fasting, worshiping? What is it that needs to be done so that this can be resolved? God is in the business of moving you forward as a person and who he called you to be, not where you want to stay. And so I think people need to really understand that, God is calling you to these other places so that his will can be done, not yours. 
All right. With that being said, if you're somebody today and you're listening to us and you are not saved, we want to give you an opportunity for that. Look, you can't build something outside of God in the first place. And we just really highlighted some good examples of people who uh, builds things with God and try to take things from God and try to not give him what's due. Like I said, the Bible says that he is a jealous God. He is an all consuming fire. He wants to be the center of your life. He wants to be the focal point of all of your attention. And the only thing that he tells you that you're allowed to overindulge in is him. So, but you can't do that unless you have relationship and you, the only way you can have that is with Jesus as Lord and savior. So I want you to just repeat this prayer. If that's you today, or if you're backslidden, I just want you to say, father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today and I give my heart to you and I repent of my sin. And I ask for Jesus to be Lord and savior of my life. And from this day forward, I will live for you because you died for me in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. And I hope that if that is you, that you will reach out, that you will say something, that you will let us know. We want to celebrate with you. Um, that having been said, uh, Brandon, you want to pray us out this week? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time to come together and to meditate on your word. Let those words be spoken to open hearts and open minds and just let it glorify you and all that we do and say, God. And we just... Give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, join back in next week. We'll have another episode and another parable. Take care and God